The Christmas Story. The Gospels, especially Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are not the only accounts of the birth of Jesus. There is one in Isaiah 9 that we will look at today, and there's also one in Revelation 12, we'll look at that next week, that is closer. That is a closer look at what really happened in Matthew 2 with Herod's obsession to have the baby Jesus killed. Today, Isaiah 9, and next week we'll look at Revelation 12. We're always looking for ways, aren't we, to be on the right side or to convince others to join our side, which we believe to be the only right side. So on social media, whatever the platform is, we're always posting things to, to criticize the other side and to try to get people to see the right side. This is true in politics and sports and business, and it can even be true and is true in our churches. So before we jump into our text today, I want to set the record straight on being on the right side. In Joshua 5, 13 through 15, as Israel is coming toward Jericho and getting ready to take the city and begin their conquest of the land of Canaan, Joshua comes near Jericho. He looks up and he sees a man standing in front of him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua goes up to this man and look at what he asks of him. He says, are you for us or our enemies? Whose side are you on, person with the sword? Are you on the right side with me or on, you, on the other side? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I now have come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? This representative of God says, I'm not on anybody's side here. I am the commander of the armies of the Lord God. The commander of the Lord's army replies to Joshua here, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. As we consider this text, we wonder, is Jesus for our side or is Jesus for the other side? And the answer, as we saw in this text, is a flat no. Jesus has his own cause. He brings all our causes under his judgment. And he offers us all first-class citizenship in his kingdom. But he will reign forever. So we can't impeach him. He's not going to resign. Let's stop using Jesus as the mascot of our side. And let's start asking ourselves, are we on his side? Jesus said, he who is not with me is against me in Matthew 12. This wonderful Christmas passage we have in Isaiah is not about the teachings of Jesus. It's not about the miracles of Jesus or the cross of Jesus. This is about the person of Jesus, who he is and will be forever. Let's concentrate on these verses now and let's decide whose side we're going to be on. Isaiah 9, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Let me say this, true power, true power is not brute force. True power is moral character. And from his infancy, Jesus was not just innocent, he was holy. 
The angel said to Mary, the child to be born will be called holy in Luke chapter 1, verse 35. He was holy from conception, even as we are flawed from conception. His character is why the government could rest upon his physically small, but morally strong shoulders. So here in our text, Isaiah declares that the birth of Jesus is bringing a whole new world order a world order where God brings down the haughty and lifts up the lowly. Today, I want you to make this text your own. We could read it this way. For to you, a child is born. To you, a son is given. He's meant for you. Take him. Rejoice. He's got you. Look at the second part of this verse. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Look at the magnitude of Jesus declared by Isaiah in this birth announcement. As the wonderful counselor, he has the shrewdest, smartest strategies. So let's follow him. As the mighty God, he defeats his enemies. So let's put our trust in him. As the everlasting father, he takes full responsibility for us. Let's rest in him. As the Prince of Peace, he reconciles us while we were still his enemies. Let's welcome Jesus into our life. He is a king of the most unparalleled grace ever. Never was any kingdom ruled by a government so mild and so gentle. He is exceedingly gracious in the manner of his ruling, the way he rules pe people, by sweetly and powerfully influencing their hearts by grace. He doesn't govern people against their wills, but he powerfully bends, inclines their wills toward him. So God doesn't force us. He wins us over. And how can this world ever defeat the one who is able to fly under the defensive radar and to change the hearts of people? Yes, we're always trying to get people to change their minds and be on our side. But really and truly, God is the only one that has the power to change people's hearts and minds. Here's the best part of this. Of the increase of his government, Isaiah says, and of peace, there will be no end. The empire of grace will forever grow. It'll forever succeed. It's forever expanding. If we come willingly under his rule now, we will be standing when all partisan politics collapses in the future and when failure and exhaustion happens in these systems. We will be there when his kingdom is forever growing, ascending, enlarging, accelerating, intensifying. That's the experience we will have in the kingdom of God. There will never come one moment when we will say, this is the limit. Surely God can't think of anything new. We've seen it all. We, the human, will experience more and more and more wonderfully the divine one. And every new moment will be better than the last. And let me tell you, this hope is not a campaign promise. 
It's not subject to later developments. This hope is his blood-stained pledge to us. And he gives this to us in defiance of all of the world and all of our sins. God will make it happen. But there's a third part here. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. When Jesus, you remember, threw the mercenaries out of the temple, the money changers, John quotes Psalm 69.9 to explain the boldness and courage of Jesus. Zeal for your house will consume me. That's what John 2 says, quoting Psalm 69. God is on fire for the triumph of Jesus in this world. The zeal of the Lord of hosts, Isaiah says, will do this. And this is a verse that we need to be indelibly impressed upon our minds because in the kind of environment we're in now in our world with so much discouragement, with so many things different from we've ever experienced them before, it's easy to give up. It's easy to lay our, our, our lives down and just say, well, I just can't do anything more. I, there's no hope. So let's give up our exaggerated zeal for all things human. Jesus is not on anyone's side in the world. And we must never seek Jesus to be on our side or to endorse some group that we're a part of or we're affiliated with. Jesus is asking us to join him in his kingdom work. And let me tell you, no matter who serves this church, no matter who is a part of the leadership of this church, no matter the makeup of this church, we need to know that God is going to do a kingdom work. Just because one person is no longer available or leadership changes come or people come in and out, God is always the same today, yesterday, and forever. And he's going to sustain us. He's going to take us by his hand and he's going to show us the wonders of his kingdom. So Jesus, the king of the universe, is inviting you to become his subject. And one way you can know that you do belong to him is that your zeal for all human systems starts to fade. And your zeal for Jesus and his cause grows. It ramps up. Jesus asked us today, as he asked so long ago of his disciples, who do you say that I am. That's Matthew 16. And there's only one right answer. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Would you say that to him today? When you bend the knee to him, when you bow to him, you will finally be free from all worldly power. And Jesus did come to set the captives free. If we follow Jesus as our king, come what may, we will be more than conquerors. We will be the light of the world. We will prevail. Worldly politics, or rather worldly political identities never tell us their true cost. Really what the worldly political powers want are our souls. And on this third Lord's Day of the Christmas season, we can stand tall and never give up because to us a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. 
He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Let's pray together. Lord, our Father, the creator of the universe, we're so thankful for this different kind of take, you might say, on the birth of Jesus, a prophetic take that talks about what Jesus is going to do when he comes, what his character is like, that he is a holy one, that he is pure and innocent, and that he wants to bring that purity and that innocence to bear in our lives through his death on the cross. Lord, we're thankful for the power of your kingdom. We're thankful that your rule and reign overpowers any other kingdom rule and reign. Lord, help us to give our allegiance, our devotion, our commitment to you alone as our God and Father. Today, Lord, if there are those who need to confess the name of Jesus as Christ and Lord, we pray that person would do this today. If there are those in our audience that need encouragement today, we hope that you would bring it into their heart. If there are those today that need to be lifted up, that have fallen and have strayed, please, Lord, stretch your arms of love and grace and mercy into that life. And may we all, Lord, as Joshua, fall on our faces and say to you as the commander of all the universe, what would you have us to do? And Lord, we pray today that every one of us would take off our shoes on this holy ground on which we serve, and we would honor and follow you as long as we live and into your eternity. We pray through Christ our Lord, who reigns and rules with you and your kingdom, with the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace.